everyone, welcome to the Game Off Podcast, third episode. I'm Andy Paulo here with my friend Brent Langevin, aka Arcadia. And we're going to be talking today about Devil May Cry 5 and Yoshi's Crafted World. But first, the news. Brent, I think you've got a story for us today. Yeah, I think the big story this week is the uh, the sit-down that Wired.com had with Mark Cerny, who's the, the lead designer of the next PlayStation console, um, where they uh, he revealed some of the uh, specs and features that are going to absolutely be in the console. Um, up until this point, there hasn't really been anything confirmed, so it's been pretty interesting to dissecting what he said. For starters, they've for the first time in console history, he's guaranteed a solid state drive. I am very excited for this because they apparently they demoed. I, I know it's like it's like consoles. <laughs> Yay, you're catching up to PCs. <laughs> yeah, welcome to 2017. <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they did the demo where it was something like 16 times faster running like Spider Man, which uh, is obviously a current uh, gen game. Uh, yeah, I would expect. Yeah, right. Um, I know a, a problem with current generation consoles is that people would mod them and ha- have SC- SSDs in them, but they wouldn't have like uh, like the motherboard didn't have connectors that could support the speeds that they would go up to. So they'd only get like a 30 percent improvement. But like these new consoles are being built around the idea of having SSDs in them. So we should see a pretty shocking performance boost, which is nice. Now, do they give an indication of onboard storage amount no and i think it'll probably be disappointing just like it was this generation i think it'll probably be extremely disappointing considering they're going to be putting ssds in these things i don't do you know if like ssd prices have kind of come down a bit more i know they're not as bad as they used to be but no we we replaced a lot of them at work um and we got a lot of i want to say that one terabyte ones were under 150 I mean, I mean, I know that, that that's a pretty vague thing, but uh, this is with consoles. It just feels like, you know, if they're selling one terabyte at 150, then they'll have their base model. And for an extra 150, I'll get an extra 50 gigs. Yeah. Just with the way that they that proprietary hardware kind of tears their storage amounts. Right. Yeah. And that's also not much storage, especially on something that you can't modify internally. I mean, mm, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know if the PS5 has external support, but I know the Xbox does. So, like, for example, I have an, an 8 terabyte external drive, and it's 95% full. So I have 10 <laughs> total terabytes, and the, the, 10 terabytes, and it's full. And I, I, I do have an absurd amount of games, but it's not well, like yeah, how are you the Xbox store. How are you at... Because I've got two internal for Steam, and I've got to imagine I own more Steam games than you own Xbox games. Um, I had 901 Xbox games installed, uh, last I checked, which was a few days ago. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in that ecosystem for a while. Yeah, clearly. (laughs) That's not a, not a, not a judgment or anything like that. Yeah. It's just, I I didn't, I would not have thought that that were, that there were that many that you could own installed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's plenty more. There seems to be like 20 games coming out a week, but neither here nor there. We've we've strayed from God's light once again. Um, one of the interesting things about the news, too, is that um, 
he Mark had confirmed that it's going to support 8K gaming. Now, <laughs> okay, yeah. Now we're we're in a generation that barely supports 4K generation or uh, gaming. So I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I feel like it's almost preposterous to already be guaranteeing that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's they may as well just be guaranteeing it'll be five and six G compatible. Like maybe, <laughs> but you're talking about technology that I'm not even close to having like a real need for. I don't even know what the price range for an 8K TV would be. I uh, I mean, 4K TVs have come down a lot, but also the general consumer, like the most popular physical media format is still a DVD, mm-hmm. which is 480p. So uh, the vast, the vast uh, majority of people can't tell the difference between 1080p and 4K as it is. So I think it sort of begs the question of whether they're going to have like, um, you know, uh, different tiered councils and they're doing a really bad job of announcing that at this time, because I don't think it, most people are going to give a shit about 8K. I don't think I do right now, honestly. No, unless they're going for some kind of like bespoke luxury market here, like they <laughs> want to be the Maserati of consoles. I, I, I don't I don't really see. The people that I know that own a PS3 or a PS4, I, man, I'm way behind here, PS4, that I don't know that any of them are looking for 4 or 8K. The majority of them I know are playing on like 23-inch screens. Yeah, yeah. I, and like the base PS4 can't do 4K either, so most users would be jumping from 1080p to 8 times that which is actually like something like what well, i think it's like 64 times the pixel density so <laughs> i'm surprised that i would have thought that something like the switch and how well it sold would have continued to to fight the idea that better graphics are the be all and end all of next hardware yeah like yeah clearly people don't really care that breath of the wild isn't in 8k yeah, it's not even in 1080p. It's it runs at 900p on console when it's docked. So, you know, and people play that handheld and loved yeah. it. So yeah. I I don't know. It, it's as you said, it's a preposterous thing to to suggest. I don't I don't know who that's supposed to be appealing to, other than tech writers. Yeah, right. Or or people like me that like genuinely do want the newest technology. But even I'm like I don't. I'm not ready for 8K. Like I just bought a stunning 4K TV and it's fine. Not good enough. Chuck it out. Yeah, well, I mean, the TV itself is fucking amazing. It's maybe the best thing I've ever bought, but I, I don't I don't sit there and like, but but there's not enough pixels. Like I would have never thought of that until somebody was like, but you could have more pixels. Yeah, don't... you are the king of last year, my friend. <laughs> Apparently. You better start putting your saving your pennies. Get that get that 8K TV. Otherwise, uh, you're otherwise Last of Us 2 is going to look like fucking garbage on oh your man. stupid 4K TV. It looked like fucking mode <laughs> seven on the SNES. Fucking eye poison. <laughs> How dare I insult may, the game by playing it? May as well just put on sleep mask and play it with just sound. <laughs> Do I want the ASMR version of that game with all the clickers? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be weird and erotic. 
I'm um, sure it's out there somewhere. <laughs> do, do we have any other stats about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll rattle off the rest because most people aren't going to know anything about the rest of this shit. Um, there's, it's going to feature ray tracing, which is really advanced graphics technology, and it's going to be on a an AMD Risen chip, which has uh, got eight cores and support 3D audio. Now, if, if I'm correct in my memory, ray tracing is the same technology they use to make the Wolfenstein 3D engine, so it doesn't sound very new and exciting to me. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't understand it completely, but it's it's something about how light bounces off of objects in the game. And it the demos I've seen, it looks fucking beautiful. So we're not talking about then the Wolf 3D engine. Uh, I, maybe? I, I'll tell you, I have had trouble getting that to run on my more modern video cards. So maybe that <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's related. I don't know. You keep going. You keep going. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. Um. And the rest of it's n- no surprise. Um, they announced formally that it's going to be backwards compatible with PS4, which is a big deal for PS4 users because they got totally fucked this generation. <laughs> um, it's definitely going to have a disk drive. Hey, and they're not abandoning VR. That is that is the feature set in its entirety. You know, they have- I'm surprised they're not abandoning VR. Uh, you know, it, the sales figures I saw for PSVR were pretty surprisingly good. Really? Um, I don't know anyone that has one, but I think it's, it was big in like the introductory VR market. Like it was affordable enough to buy your kids for Christmas. Yeah, I guess. I guess that (laughs) makes sense. Yeah. I, uh, they sold a good amount of them. Just, just not to adults. It's been my experience. All right. Okay. I just I haven't seen a lot of hype around VR lately. It's it's kind of gotten quiet. Yeah, it least, certainly has. At least in in my spheres, I know people who own VR headsets who haven't really been talking much about it. So I, I if they're not telling me about new experiences they're having, I kind of assume that there's none to be had. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like Beat Saber's still the killer app because it's like we have a VR at work, and that's the only game that anyone plays there. <laughs> I heard the super hot VR game was good, but I, I wouldn't know. Oh, that is good. That I played. Oh, good. Okay. Well, what was that then? <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, so to to finish the PS5 uh, segment, uh, they're not having an E3 conference this year, nor are they having an event prior to E3 to announce the console, which they had done when they did the PS4. They basically announced a separate event, and then they went into led into E3, and they were just like, here's the fucking games, boys. And it went really well for them. So obviously um, so not doing that this time around. They're not. It's definitely not coming out this year, I think, is what all the all the fingers are pointing to. Um, I think most people had assumed it was 2020. Um, so they're just sort of ramping up their marketing. So don't expect this thing this year. Obviously, next year is going to be 90 percent sure it's going to be the time for new consoles. Hmm. <laughs> wonder if that's when we'll see our second iteration of the switch. Yeah, yeah, that that might come sooner since that's just a mid-generation jump. So I I would assume we would see that this year, sort of like we saw the the discless, uh, the, the all digital uh, Xbox One S. Uh, the oh, acronym yeah. for it is the SAD because it's the S all digital. <laughs> <laughs> not not so good marketing team. Not so good. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got on the PS Five. Okay, I, I didn't really have any any exciting news stories. There's a lot of you know, interesting that that uh, if you remember that FPS 
13 or XIII from the. Uh, yeah, from, sure. Yeah, that's getting a cartoony remake this year. Oh, that's pretty like, cool. What, what do you mean by cartoony? Because it was already like cell shaded, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I think they're just upping the the cell shadedness now that we've kind of gotten a better idea of what cell shaded should look like. <laughs> that's fair. I think back then all you really had was that and Killer Seven. Yeah, yeah, Killer Seven was quite a ways after that. I think that was next uh, the generation after. Oh yeah, you're right. Sure. Hmm. Was that was that more recent game? Was it uh, Automodelista that was like cell shaded? Yeah, there's not. I, I thought that around the time of Borderlands coming out, that would be that would just become a standard graphic style. Like you'd have just some number of games every year in a variety of different genres that came out looking cell shaded. And yeah. It never really happened. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a hard art style to pull off. I think I think just once it got AAA, people were like, it's just not cool anymore. Thanks, yeah, Borderlands. I think, yeah, Borderlands, as usual, ruined everything for everyone. <laughs> Looking forward to that that uh, Game of the Year edition, though, or whatever it was, not Game of the Year. <laughs> What's the term I'm looking for? Remastered. Sequel? Oh, yeah, yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. I never got a chance to play it. Um, it always looked interesting, but like I, I feel like I was like 12 when that game came out, so <laughs> I don't think I was allowed to play it. Thanks, GameStop. So what are you playing this week? Uh, this week, what did I play? Uh, I played a, a game called Video Kid, which was sort of like a, is a stylish looking Paperboy-esque game. I wouldn't say it's a knockoff, because it's like easier <laughs> but it was kind of fun uh, what the hell else did i play i played astroneer on consoles that game is fucking unplayable on consoles the controls are so goddamn bad so i'm gonna try it out on pc before i say it's a poo poo game but fuck me uh, i'll tell you on pc i had a lot of fun with it although i i'm like five updates behind so I don't I can't speak to how what the state the state of the game is now, but five updates ago, it seemed like it had a lot of promise and the controls were very playable. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of stuff going on. That much I can say in the forty five minutes I played of it, and before being like, I fuck this the controls <laughs> are way too tedious. Like you'd have to like hold down the left trigger and like aim the cursor at like your backpack to select items. So like doing the most monotonous thing became like just a fucking trial of not breaking my goddamn console. Oh God, actually I'll think about that. Those controls would transit horrible to the controller. Like oh, you yeah. really need, you need a mouse for that game. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of quick try. precision movement. Yes. Yeah, it's I I don't know what they were thinking. They were just like, how do we make it like a mouse, but not intuitive at all? And they they nailed that. That was up to spec. Does the uh, does the Xbox support plugging in a mouse and keyboard? Uh, now it does. I think it's it. It's not every game, though. So the developers can gate it out. They also can like in multiplayer like uh you know fragment the community and say like oh you want to play with mouse and keyboard you don't get to play with the controller bros but i i last i checked it was only like 15 or so games that supported it, it, it they were big games so like Fortnite and stuff okay so it, not something like that you could just plug it in it would auto translate for you uh yeah astroneer i don't know if it supports it or not but like it's it's also a play anywhere game so i'm just like i'm just gonna fucking play it on my computer that makes more sense 
Oh, and I also played the uh, Overwatch patch, which is just just a yearly event that they do with new skins and stuff. Um, and they, they it's like the one or one or two times a year that they actually release like co-op modes. Um, mm-hmm. So it's basically you sort of run run this gauntlet and you get like, you know, wait, like it's like a horde mode, but you kind of move along like like uh, you have a payload like you do in a lot of Overwatch maps. Um, and yeah, it's very similar to last year's It's shorter and it's still a lot of fun. It's nice to have like different content in the game. Like I hit up a bunch of my friends that we, we used to play the game a bit more. Don't now. And we were like, oh, let's give it a shot. And we were like, hey, this is fun. We played it for two nights and then probably never played again. But it's worth worth checking out. Yeah, I that's one that I keep thinking I'm going to get back into. Like I still have it installed. Every once in a while, I open up Battle.net just to let it update itself, but I never actually end up booting it up. Yeah. It's comforting to know it's there, though. Uh, what have you been playing this week? Um, So I've been playing a little bit of that new Dangerous Driving, still working my way through that. So far, it's a good time, but I'll, I'll probably have more to say about it when I finished it. Okay. Uh, I played the new Fairy Solitaire game. That was very exciting. Came out on Easter. Perfect day for uh, it. Yeah, yeah, Fairy Solitaire Harvest. It's uh, they changed up a lot from the old Fairy Solitaire formula. It used to be just kind of like a Tri Peaks type game, but it's it's very. This isn't just more of the same. They really played around with the mechanics, played around with the bonuses and combos, and just made it a, a it made it feel like a real sequel rather than just more of the same. Nice. So that, that was that was a lot of fun. That was a good one. <laughs> I, I wish I knew more about the solitaire genre so I could be like, oh, tell me more about this one nuanced thing. Yeah, it's I it, this isn't the right venue for me to really go into great <laughs> detail about solitaire. And it's not easy to do just as an audio only thing to explain the intricacies of <laughs> the way that cards are placed and stack. You know, it, that's all another place and another time. Yeah, well, if one one might uh, request that someone make a YouTube channel for such a thing. Yeah, if you, if you did have interest in that, oh, yeah, we can. I can plug things. Just yeah, you know, go, go, go for it. To this. <laughs> check, check out my YouTube channel, Sala Talker, and um, video for Fairy, Fairy Solitaire Harvest should be up within a week. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, other than other than that, though, I've I've mostly been playing the game that we're going to be talking about today and more gems of war, but there's not much of anything, anything to say about that. All right. Are you matching those three gems? I, I still, still am. I'm still, I'm still matching those gems. I'm still, I'm, I'm trying to be a good contributor to my guild. I, I feel like I'm not guild? like it with it. Oh yeah. There's guilds. And uh, it's one of the, you ever, you ever play in any kind of MO where you're in a guild and everyone in the guild is way higher level than you. So even though you're trying your hardest, you feel like some scrawny little kid that's like <laughs> playing with all the adults. And they're all like, all right, good job, Slugger. Thanks for the three gold you brought into the war chest here. <laughs> and it's like, hey, you guys, you know, you guys completed your guild task this week. Here's 300 keys that you can use to open items. And normally I'd get like five keys a day. So Aww. boom, here's 300 of them. Oh, thanks, guys. I'm really moving up and getting all my new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't have done it without you yeah oh good job andy good job so glad so glad for your your 
bullshit that you're helping us out with. Uh, yeah, no, the game has guilds. <laughs> it's oh, it's got guilds. It's got it's got guild wars, like battling guilds. They got a ton of different. Is it like game intuitive, modes. or is it just like mobile game sort of like? Uh... Oh, it's it's fucking nonsense. Oh. I don't know if you ever. Ah. I, I don't know if you ever played the or how much you played the Fire Emblem Heroes game or whatever it was on on phone. Yeah, uh, yeah, play it a ton. Still play it. Don't like to talk it, it, about that. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that game. Because I remember when I first booted it up and installed Fire, the Fire Emblem game on Android, like a year after it came out, and the first 10 minutes was me just dismissing things that I didn't understand. <laughs> like, this week, five times earning on purple gems. Like, I don't know what that is. It's like, this week only, trade purple gems for green auras. I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, just... Too real. You, you've been... Your login bonus is this. You've been awarded this. Here's 500 of them. Don't spend them all in one place. You have no concept of whether or not 500 is a regular amount to get every day. Yeah. The game's done a real good job of just making up mechanics that aren't fun and then just like slowly <laughs> brushing them under the rug. Like, oh, I hope you don't remember the, anything about the auras or the, the old way we used to do voting. Voting gauntlets. Yeah, I, so that, that's kind of what Gems of War continues to feel like for me is just... I only understand about a quarter of what's going on, but I'm still moving up the PvP ladder, so I'm happy. Hey, so we got uh, some changes this week, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We're, we're kind of changing up the way that we're doing things based on some feedback that we got. Mm, thank you thank you to everyone who's listened thus far and given us feedback. There's There's dozens, if not millions of you. Yeah, it's really appreciated. We do take the time to read all the feedback email that we receive. And <laughs> uh, no, it was it was plenty of people gave us feedback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, God. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you describe it, actually, because you're the one that kind of came up with this idea. OK, so one of the things that we noticed was that it was going to get difficult to pair some games together. Like the one I'm talking about today, Yoshi's Crafted World, may not be the easiest to pair with many other games that are out there, because there aren't a lot of arts and crafts-based side-scrolling puzzle games currently out on the market. And the same with Devil May Cry 5. Not a lot of other games out there like that right now. So the idea that we had was to, rather than directly comparing them, kind of slot them into a ranking where we every game we play, we add to this list of games that we've played this year in a kind of which one's better than the other numerical order. And each game that we discuss and we bring to the table, we slot into that ranking so that eventually we've got a fully seated list that we can then have a larger discussion about. Mm. Yeah, so we're not going to lose the... the uh end of year end of season brackets uh but we'll basically decide who's in the bracket depending on who's in the the top tiers of this uh this ranking system so each game that that we play and every week we should be expanding on that and getting a better feel for where these games fell not only in general but in comparison to the stuff we played this year which is really the more the more important part Mm-hmm. Is that we can't really like make a definitive statement about how, whether or not they were good or bad this year, but just in comparison to what we've done and what yeah. we've experienced. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much covers it. 
So yeah, I think so. Please, please look forward to it. Actually, yeah. well, we we have to discuss our first four games and how we're going to rank them. Um, so so far this year, we've done Kingdom Hearts three uh, Anthem. Those were the two winners from week one and two, and then we have Far Cry New Dawn and Apex Legends. Um, how you how are you thinking about ranking these, Andy? Um, I think that kind of the way that you described them is the order I would put them in. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I I have written I, I think them that down. works for me. Yeah, I think uh, for the two games that I had reviewed, uh, I had placed them in the correct order. Uh, so, yep. So if you agree that Far Cry was better than Apex uh, Legends, then we have our current rankings. Yeah, I think I think it's still going to be an unpopular take, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stick last with it. I, Apex Legends. I, I apologize, Apex Legends, but I can't play you anymore. I don't know what you <laughs> want me to do. There, there was some news, actually. Um, the Twitch viewer count for Apex Legends dropped by like 75% in the last two weeks. Really? Yeah, it, it's well below Fortnite again. Yeah, it's really fallen off. I, I don't know how indicative that is of like, you know, sales of skins and revenue and whatnot. But like it's it doesn't paint a great picture. Well, that's that's unfortunate. It was a well-made game. I mean, it lasted longer than Lawbreakers, so. <laughs> oh, that's that's a cheap shot. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's I wanted Lawbreakers <laughs> to be good too. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I I hope Apex Legends does well. I hope that they eventually add better matchmaking and fun back into their game. Yeah, yeah. They they introduced a lot of interesting things to the battle royale. Uh genre so i mean i I doubt it's gonna die anytime soon but all the best (laughs) (laughs) best wishes apex legends and all your future endeavors (laughs) i mean PUBG's still doing incredibly well people just are like but but fortnite is doing so much better it's like yeah but do you like look at the numbers like PUBG's still the top top played game on steam last i saw yeah i think you're right yeah and it's it's when you, when you're talking about the number one and number two, it, those are still the biggest games. Yeah, exactly. Like you're not, it's not like, it's not like there's only three games out there and Fortnite has 89% of it. Like <laughs> PUBG and Fortnite are the majority of games being played out there at a, at a, at a at, you know, pretty frequently. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I, I would be happy to see Apex Legends, slot itself in there as a constant third just because i think that kind of competition will breed better games oh yeah for sure i mean uh, that genre is just gonna get so oversaturated so fast too and and i want to see respawn be successful yeah i want i want the best of success for them because they seem like cool dudes yeah (laughs) yes very cool dudes yeah (laughs) more importantly for jedi fallen order which incredible looking game check out the teaser oh man so so awesome yeah very exciting Anyway, let's get started with our not matchup then. Yeah, yeah. It's, we'll, we'll be talking about our two games sort of in the same method we've been, which is, you know, we'll do category by category. Um, we're going to start start off doing the uh, the narrative slash world building category first as we introduce the game, since they sort of uh, mesh together well, so you guys can get a better picture of the game we're talking about. So uh, you want to talk about uh, Yoshi's Crafted Island for us, Andy? Yoshi's Crafted World. It's a whole world, not uh, just an island. Oh, wow. I, I want to. Sorry. 
I'm really excited just to talk about this because this is a game that I actually have a lot of love for. And the last two, I feel like I came into it very <laughs> whatever. So I'm very excited to actually have excitement for a game here. Mm. And I'm sure that, not to get it completely off topic, but I'm sure the fact that this is the first game that I'm having a lot of excitement for, people can and will read into as to what it says about me as a gamer. But that's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to bear the, the brunt of that. Yoshi's Crafted World is a side-scrolling platforming puzzle game a la kirby's epic yarn if you ever played that it's very light it's very refreshing it's very easy is something that i've heard people say about it a lot in a negative way but it's very um the challenges are fun and interesting but they are not something that is going to make you sit there and scratch your head for 20 minutes or rip your hair out because you've been trying the same puzzle over and over again and just can't get the timing right. So like it's, you know, I think oh. it was said in like the context of it's just impossible to lose. I think that was the problem people <laughs> had with it. Not so much that it was easy. I've had people, I've had that leveled and there is an easy mode where it is impossible to lose. I know that you can, um, th there were some videos of people basically having like books or rubber bands beat levels, <laughs> but it, it's kind of in the same way that, you know, if you remember Mario three, there were whole levels that you could play by just holding down the P wing and flying to the right. Mm. It's kind of in that same way. You can just fly forever in the easy mode. And that would allow you to skip huge portions of levels. But a lot of the challenge comes from going back and replaying. I'm kind of jumping all around here between narrative and gameplay, uh, I'm supposed to be talking about narrative, right? Uh, yeah, narrative I, uh, world building. Right, okay. So I'll get to the, the, the accusations of it being too easy in the gameplay section. Fair enough. The story is very Nintendo platformer. Like a lot of the Mario games where they just kind of dump an entire story on you in the first two minutes of a cutscene. And then just, like, here's why you're going through this world. Don't worry about it beyond that. It kind of does that same thing. You are trying to find all the pieces of the magic MacGuffin that will allow you and the other Yoshis to leave the place that you're on. That's made out of <laughs> wool and other crafted materials. Why do they want to and, leave? And it sounds wonderful. Yeah. But that that wizard guy, that, that wizard that's in Mario that hangs out with Bow Bowser Jr. or Baby Bowser. You know what I'm talking about? Flies in the broom and yeah, yeah, wears the, the wizard the, hat. The, yep, yep. Yep. He's there. He's screwing stuff up. Baby Bowser's there screwing stuff up. You got to stop him from getting the pieces of the Magic MacGuffin and bring it back to the Magic MacGuffin's holding case. And then happiness comes back to Craftland. That part is... The narrative part of it is very thin. In the same way that the narrative of Super Mario 64 was thin or the narrative of Yoshi's Island was thin. You know, it's just... It's just enough to get it to look like a thing and to get you playing. The world building, however, much like a lot of the other Mario games, is really well set up because of this crafting aesthetic that they're using. The Everything is built around everything being crafts. And each world that you enter, you can see on the map 
some of the different motifs of, of things and items and materials that the world is going to be built out of. And then as you explore each world, you see these very clever uses of these crafts to expand and create the environment around you. And so you, you see just things unfolding, cardboard boxes breaking open in certain ways and folding in other ways that create a really... a, a world that both feels full and 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 developed but also like it was made as a craft project hmm. and it's that is extremely well done i their ability to build these different you know your standard mario fair of ice world and water world and deserty dry world you know, that standard breakdown of mario worlds but with different crafted materials and using different materials and different styles of crafting to that lend themselves to the world and the environment that you're in. Oh, cool. So it, it, it's not really building like a, a storied lore fill world, but it is building a very distinct world. Every area looks visually different than every other one, not just in its physical visuals, but the actual craft products that went into making it, which <laughs> is something that I haven't really seen in other games before. So I would say that that, that narrative, it's very thin, like almost any Mario game. Mm. Very thin narrative, but the world feels very um, detailed and explored and fleshed out. You know, it, it's, it's not Skyrim detailed, but it, there's kind of that they thought of everything feel as you're as you're going through and jumping on things and seeing little bits of ribbon unfurl to reveal other things and pulling on things that make other things pop open oh cool yeah it's it's very well done in that sense and it's the world is one that i i whenever we had people over i just wanted them to look at it <laughs> and just to look at look at this game even if you don't care about what you, what's going on screen just look at it look at the cool levels that they built out of craft materials so is it, uh, do, does it look like sort of true to life with all of the design or is it still a bit like cartoony? It's very cartoony, but it's cartoony in a, like someone posted on Reddit, I made this diorama of Yoshi's Island for my third grade project or something. <laughs> like the, the, the enemies and the environments are very, uh, in a lot of places, like flat colors, no outlines, um, Yoshi is made of wool. You know, th there are trees in the background that are being held up and held together with clothespins. You know, things made with plastic cups that have been very quickly painted and had a face drawn on them. It, it, you know, everything is extremely cute. Hmm. Interesting. But but everything feels very deliberate. So yeah, I, 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 it's great. Uh, the, the the worlds are great if if the narrative is a bit thin. Gotcha. Yeah, it sounds like uh, sort of the antithesis of what I want to play <laughs> at any given time. Like, I, I was really excited watching the trailer for it, but at, and then I, as soon as it ended, I was like, I would never play that game. Just like I've never played <laughs> Kurt, Kirby's Yarn, Yarn Land Five. Uh, man, if they had made five Kirby's Epic Yarns, I would be ecstatic. Yeah, they I only made the one. Uh, there was. They, they did a re-release on uh, 3DS. Oh, maybe I misunderstood that whole uh, 
yarn universe. Yeah, the yarn universe, the yarn cinematic or game universe has not been expanded to the level that I would have liked. Shame, shame. What can you tell me about the uh, narrative and world building of Devil May Cry 5? Yeah, yeah. So as an overview, uh, Devil May Cry 5 is the fifth game in a franchise. It's a Japanese game, so you might think, hey, wait, Kingdom Hearts. That was definitely not the third game in that franchise. But yeah, as far as I know, Devil May Cry only has five games, and then they tried to reboot it between four and five. Um, oh, yeah. Well, was it Ninja Theory's DMC? Yeah, yeah. It, it was really well received, um, and for some reason just didn't translate to the market. Yeah, so, I, I'm, I've got that on Steam. I had fun with it. Yeah, yeah. It, it looked like a lot of fun, and like Ninja Theory does plenty of other amazing games, like Hell, Hellblade. One of the mm-hmm. most critically acclaimed games of uh, I think it was 2017 when that came out. Um, but yeah, this is beside the point. Um, so Devil May Cry 5 is um, it, it sort of follows the adventures of a devil hunter named um, Dante. Um, up until this game, I believe you're primarily playing Dante. Um, I have not played three or four so i can't speak too strongly to those two games and i only played one and two very briefly um but for the most part the entire franchise is, is centered around dante Where, and so this game sort of is a takeoff for the franchise because it's there's very much three characters uh that you play as and you don't play as dante until i think like the the last third of the game so and huh. it this is probably get more into the gameplay um, but as an overview, they all play very differently. So like your skills don't transfer between these characters at all, like maybe more so between Nero and Dante, but I'll get into that later. Um, yeah, so so the game is uh, I, <laughs> it's very much a Japanese story. I, there's not too much I could say about it. Like uh, <laughs> basically it's a post apocalyptic game more so than all the other ones. Like you would think like demons invading the world. It must be the end of the world. Dante somehow managed to stave that off through four games, but within one, ep- one mission, I think it's even within the opening cinematic of this game. It very much fails to stop the apocalypse and it happens. And as far as I can tell, there's no humans left alive by the time this game concludes. So kind of of writing themselves into a corner there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty, pretty heavy content, especially for how like lighthearted the characters are. So the game very much leans into not taking itself seriously. Like uh, for example, there's a cut scene of Dante doing a moonwalk when he gets a, uh, a ranged weapon at one point. And it's like, (laughs) I think this was in development before leaving Neverland came out. So it's, Right now, it's like, oh, that was tasteless. I hope they knew what they were doing. Um, but yeah, but I, like this is all in the middle of like this post-apocalyptic wasteland with literally like blood flowing down the roads and he's doing a fucking moonwalk. And you're like, oh, Dante. Oh, oh Dante. you're so wacky. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the more interesting things and I'm getting into the, the storytelling of the game itself is that the, the missions, so the whole game is like mission-based. I think it's a total of 20 missions. And so once you get to the point where you can either choose which hero you play in a mission or if it's just a mission that runs in tandem with other characters and their story, you can actually go through the mission and like see them fighting on like another rail that's going along the, uh, the map that you're going along. 
Uh, I was really excited about that. Every time I'd see it happening or hear it, I'd like look around for, like, where where's Nero? Where's what's he fighting? And then I just like watch him oh, beat that, the shit out of somebody. That's a clever idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was I don't think I'd ever seen that in a game before. So I was like really excited by like that storytelling aspect. It, it really pulled pulled me in and didn't make me feel like I was alone in this universe. Um, just just running through these like tubes of blood and purple veins everywhere but i'll get i'll get more into that in the art department um yeah i I guess i don't really have much to say about where it it doesn't do an amazing job of world building like it tries to it tries to uh keep keep you grounded early on by making all the customization around like the van you're traveling around in but like pretty early on you get detached from the van uh pretty frequently um which sort of lends itself to these fucking hilarious cutscenes where you'll like find a um a phone booth in the middle of nowhere this tote like desolate wasteland like there's a fucking phone booth here it would be like an actual line they would say and they pick up the phone they'd call this girl <laughs> named nico and she would literally like bust through a ceiling like straight down like 180 degrees and like land the van and you'd be like okay cool time to upgrade my stuff uh <laughs> <laughs> so a very, very tongue planted firmly in cheek game oh for sure yeah um it, it it completely abandons that later on which was like one of my favorite things in the game uh so you just get the what i believe are in the old games these divine statues where you can do upgrades um and that that would probably lead my me more into gameplay um so I'll probably stay away from there but but yeah there's really not much to say about the story other than like there's there's demons all over the place now. There's one really big demon you gotta beat up. And everything in between is like Japanese, very Japanese storytelling um, from games, at least in my experience. Just like very, very uh, quick cutscenes with like melodrama and then like super stylish cinematics that like would blow your mind. Like the opening cinematic, it's not, a, not much of a spoiler. It's not a spoiler at all because it's the opening cinematic, but you should just go watch that and be like, holy shit, what a, what a job they did on just making this game <laughs> look cool. Well, I'll definitely check that out because I played the third one and the fourth one and enjoyed them enough. Mm. So I, I, oh, and, and DMC. So this has been on my, my list a little bit. I'll definitely check that cinematic out because they always, that was one of the things I loved in three and four were some of the most just outrageous. You just beat a boss cutscenes. Yeah. Yeah. Every boss has just like snarky one liners at the, at the beginning of it. And at the end of it, um, it, <laughs> it doesn't fuck with the devil may cry formula whatsoever. It leans very much into what made it popular back in the day. And that might be what well, people That's... didn't like about the reboot was that it maybe took itself too seriously. It's some of the criticism I heard. It definitely was a different tone. It definitely had a different tone, and I know people were upset about his hair. <laughs> yeah, that was most of the outrage I heard. Yeah, I, but people got very upset about his his sad boy hair. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he did look a lot like Virgil and Nero, which were characters from that were already existed in that universe prior to that game coming out. Yeah, yeah. There, there's that. There's that side of it. <laughs> But also his hair. He had such sad boy hair. <laughs> sad boy. Oh, God. Well, there's 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 a lot of sad boy stuff in uh, DMC5. Uh, v, one of the three characters you play, is maybe the most, like, like uh, try-hardy goth kid. Like, 
I've ever seen. Uh, he he'll, he's frequently like literally to power up your abilities, you have to read poems from a book, and he's <laughs> he's got dark Jesus. and it's like really bleak poems, and he yeah <laughs> he obviously has like long black hair and a cane. So yeah, hope that paints a picture of, course. of me. Um, yep. Nero, I guess I should explain the characters more. Uh, Nero, I think was introduced in four. He's the the last of the three. Uh, you start off the game as him. He's young. He he loses his arm at the beginning of the game, and so that that leads into one of his mechanics that makes him unique, which is he has robot arms. Fucking dope. That's pretty sweet. I love <laughs> robot arms. <laughs> anyway, uh, Yoshi, Yoshi's crafted island, crafted world. I like. Uh, yeah. You want to go over the the art and sound first, or the gameplay? Um. You know, what, let me go into the art and sound because it does kind of pull from the last stuff I was talking about. Yeah. The art and the sound is very craft based <laughs> and very cute. What what is the crafty sound, sound 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 like? Yeah, uh, the sound is not crafty. I'll 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 concede that it's mostly just very cute bits of music and very. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not a very full soundscape. It's probably the, <laughs> the nicest way to phrase it. It's got a little bit of music playing. It's got your standard, like, I'm walking on the ground noises, and then your sound effects when you jump, when you land on things, and you eat things, and you poop them out. <laughs> your standard side-scrolling music. There's, there's not a lot of ambient effects. There's not a lot of sounds of things in the distance and sound panning from the left to the right and forward and backwards. It's mostly just kind of what's going on on screen and a background track. The music's very nice. It's uh, very, you know, in the style of Mario, very fitting to the the theme of the level that you're in with a kind of memorable little loop to it. Hmm. The sound or the, the art, however, is, you know, the, the biggest draw to this game, I think as fun as, as the gameplay is, I don't think it would be as fun without this conceit of everything is everything is handmade. Everything is made out of household materials and crafting products. And they nailed it 100%. Everything feels, you know, the, in the demo level that you can play, you make your way kind of through a little countryside and there's a a train that keeps coming by on the tracks and the engine of the train is actually made out of a little craft project that you yourself could make to make a working engine with a little battery. Okay. And you know, like the kind of thing, like a kind of project that you would have gotten in a little, um, in a kit at a toy store for like a, make your own little mini engine kit. And you get into a city area and the city, you know, the buildings are all made out of, uh, out of cut and pasted cardboard, like cereal boxes and tissue boxes. It, they really did a good job, not just not just taking the idea of, all right, let's make things look like crafts, but you could pause the game and really recreate everything on screen by just finding the material it was made out of and doing what it looks like on screen. Everything, other than the the standing walking Yoshi and the special effects and and you know lighting effects stuff like that, every all the scenery, all of the stuff that you interact with that's not an enemy or yourself is something that you could buy the materials of and make just by looking at what's on screen. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing that doesn't that really defies logic. It's all a thing that a child could build. 
and it makes it feel very it, it gives it a, a different feel than I've, i can think i've had it in almost any game okay of just this is well thought out and, and a lot of this is repeated what i said last time so I, i'm not gonna yeah harangue on but it, it, the art is the game's big selling point i think did, did you have a moment when you were playing where you were just like completely stunned by like the art I don't think there was there was a specific moment like you would have, you know, in Fallout when you first leave the vault or, you know, in something like that where you have that big moment. Yeah. But there were definitely moments where I would see something on screen and, and you'd interact with me. Oh, that is that is stupid clever. <laughs> that that how they made this set piece out of you know, plastic cups and styrofoam and bits of ribbon and bits of crinkle, um, that crinkle plastic that you used to like, I don't know what, I, I don't know what the hell it is, but that crinkly plastic that you get sometimes that they put in like dog chew toys to make that noise and bits of cork. And you look at that and that is, that is fucking clever <laughs> the way that they've built this little world, but no specific set piece that I can come up with the top of my head of like a, you know, this specific moment is the one that made my jaw drop. Okay. How about the uh, art and sound in Devil May Cry 5? Uh, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about the sound first a little bit. Um, but I think pretty similar to what you said about Yoshi Crafted Island. Like, it's pretty... The, the sound world. It's a whole <laughs> I've, world of crafts. I've, I've done this to myself now. I said it I, uh, sarcastically the second time, but now I'm dead. <laughs> now I'm gone. Um... Yeah, so a lot of the noises are what you would expect, you know, like slashy sword noises and whatnot. But I mean, where the game gets really cool is also that each character has unique uh, music playing during when they're the selected characters. So like Nero, for example, had like metal, metal metally music to go along with this whole like hyper goth thing. And Dante has just more traditional music. I think that would sound more familiar in the franchise. Like it didn't didn't sound like it was like an ensemble that, that or like a band or something had put the the music together for him. But like you could hear like the signature sound the songs, uh, like Devil Trigger, like that would play during Nero's sections as well as a few other songs. And there was uh, mm-hmm. two or three different metal songs V would cycle through. I I, I really liked that. Um, Especially when like the game forces you to play different characters, you're like, well, well you better make this interesting because I just, <laughs> I just spent fucking four missions finally learning how to do like an uppercut slash combo, and now I, I don't even have a sword anymore, <laughs> you sons of bitches. Yeah, I mean, and the the art, um, I, I think the art is is exactly what it needs to be in that it's not, it, it's whelming, <laughs> it's it's uh. <laughs> my note here is that it's just blood goop and purple veins as far as the eye can see. Um, There's literally (laughs) like literally if, if you're not in like a a purple veiny tunnel, you're in like a a blood, uh, a blood vein that you're like riding to another purple goopy rock to somewhere else. What you're describing, where does this game take place? Cause it sounds like you're describing like the fantastic voyage <laughs> and you're like cleansing demons microscopically inside my body. Uh, what is the setting of this game? Yeah. So I, I guess I probably should have uh, framed this a little better in the story portion, but basically after the demon apocalypse happens, uh, there's this giant structure that uh, sort of appears in the earth 
and it's just siphoning the blood of all of the dead people on the planet into this. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I, I, I feel bad that I didn't just infer that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, 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 it follows <laughs> so well. Yeah, clearly. And so it's, it's um, it, basically most of the game takes place right around this giant structure because you're trying to break in and stop what's going on. I can't say without saying any spoilers but there's even even towards the end there's not a huge variation in in what it looks like you're very much in this giant blood vein structure <laughs> and that's that's what you're seeing all the time hmm. yeah so well okay then yeah I, I i i apologize for for deriding the blood vein structure it, it does seem to make narrative sense yeah yeah <laughs> I, I definitely would have liked to have seen more, uh, as you put it, ice worlds and uh, bikini worlds and stuff. But I mean, <laughs> I, I should say that graphically, the game is fucking stunning. Like I even just think the, the opening title screen is just like, wow, look at all the particle effects and the beauty, the pretty, pretty graphics. And then in game, like it still looks beautiful. And it's purely because like the engine that they're working with is just amazing. But like the the like the art direction itself is very much you know w- one tone. Yeah, yeah, that, hmm. that, that's pretty much it. Um, okay, talk talk to us about the the gameplay in uh, Yoshi's Crafted World. Oh man, uh, I'm excited to talk to you about the gameplay in Yoshi's Crafted World because it's really good gameplay. You're Yoshi. <laughs> you can grab things with your tongue and eat them and poop them out to make eggs. The eggs follow you around, and you can throw the eggs. One of the things that the game does that I really love is that you can throw eggs into the background or the foreground. Oh. And that can trigger things going... Because you're basically walking a linear path, even though it comes towards the camera at times and further away from the camera at times. Um, And occasionally it will branch where you can stay on your current path or move onto the path in the background for a little while. Hmm. But you can interact with things by throwing eggs or uh, other objects that you happen to pick up at things in the background or foreground. And a lot of finding uh, the secrets and unlockables, or not unlockables, collectibles, that's what I'm looking for, is done this way. A lot of the replay value in the game is you play through a level, like in the demo, for example, which is the first level, you play through it, and then this this adorable little robot man made out of cardboard boxes tells you that he wants you to find him five cows. So you play <laughs> through the level again and start spotting these little cows that are just construction paper cutouts of cows that are in the background of this country area that you're in. Dog. And so you have to... So, yeah, it's really cute. And a lot of times you have to throw an egg to knock down a tree so you can get a line of sight on this thing. Mm. Or you have to expose it in other ways. There are these bushes that have um butterflies that are little cardboard cuts of butterflies that are just swaying back and forth uh above them and if you throw an egg at the bush and not the butterfly the bush gets knocked over and you see that that the butterfly is actually just a shy guy holding a butterfly and a little piece of wire and waving (laughs) it back and forth it's little touches like that that get revealed by knocking down pieces of the area that really give it that really well thought out feel after you build a level, you you can play the level flipped, where you're now looking at the entire level from the other side of the table that the diorama is on. Oh. And the other side of the table is all the unfinished stuff. So the buildings that had really nice 
construction paper cutouts to make them look like apartment buildings in the front on the back are just cereal boxes <laughs> and they have barcodes and little fake like you, they have little uh the milk boxes or boxes of lawn lawn milk oh reference yeah, yeah a lot of references hidden in there that you see when you're when you're playing through the, through the level kind of like a lot of the racing games do where you just run them in reverse yeah and so now a lot of stuff that wasn't visible you know, items that you couldn't see were hidden behind things you can now see. You're trying to find these little puppies that are running around and catch them and bring them back to their puppy mom. And and every level has this flip side. So you, you get that second feeling of, oh my God, this was so well thought out and well crafted. <laughs> All the little gameplay reveals like that of knocking down things. You throw a an egg in a box, and the box unfolds and reveals paths this and that way. And it's not just a path, it's a path to an adorable little bench on a raised platform where the um, little sunflower that you're trying to find is. Or you have to like throw your egg and you have to kind of thread a needle through two different windows of two different buildings to get it to hit the thing that you want it to. And then it reveals itself in a very cute and over-orchestrated <laughs> way. It's all the whole game is just making the environment reveal itself and throwing eggs at things. the The, the co op is interesting in the way that it kind of plays with how you play through the game as well, because you can ride on. It's two Yoshi's playing at the same time. You can ride on the other Yoshi's back. <laughs> what? So you can ride on the other Yoshi and then jump off of them, kind of like you would do in Super Mario World. And you can use that as a way to help people or you know if you're playing with like your little brother who's not very good at the game he can jump on your back and then you can jump and have him jump if he's not good at like the double jumping and the glide jumping yeah just kind of help carry him to the next area is there content you can only do with two people as far as i know no everything is accessible with just one person okay so there are no areas that are are gated off and require co-op it does almost like i'm sure the games have done this the one i think of is sonic and uh, Sonic 2, where if you run too far ahead, Tails just kind of flies in and catches up with you. Yeah, It does that anytime you lose, you know, you go too far from your, your co-op partner, they just kind of turn back into an egg, and the egg is in a bubble with, with propeller that flies into your area. Mm-hmm. You know, it, things like that. It's a Yoshi game, it's a first-party Mario game, it's a, it's a very well-crafted game. The gameplay is super tight, the puzzles are not taxing i'm sure that they can be solved by kids of single digit age without any problem the boss battles are not taxing but it's not it's not a game you play to challenge yourself it's a game that you play to just be overwhelmed and bathed in cute gameplay and cute little reveals on screen yeah yeah kids of those ages deserve games too of like triple a quality yeah, absolutely. And this is the kind of game I think that I would have, you know, 20 years ago would have broken out to play with my sister mm. and she would have really enjoyed. And, you know, a game that my mom would have bought and said, like, OK, but you got to play this with your sister. You got to make sure she can play, too. And she, you know, because it's it's built for that, it would have been actually possible to do yeah and not that irritating like okay let me just give me the controller so i can get you through this area yeah okay give it to me again because you don't know how to double jump yeah there are shockingly few games that are just like just 
two people on the screen like that. Like I, I've definitely looked for some in the past to play. And it, it's like, if anything, it's like, oh, I just have to I have to do twice as much work now, like not necessarily like take over for the other person. But it's like, oh, I got to I got to be on my fucking game now because the game is twice as difficult. And the other person's, you know, doing half the work. Yeah, at no point did I feel like I was babysitting. Yeah. Or like I had to keep an eye on them. Like I trusted that the game was going to catch them up when need be. And anytime that they got stuck, I could help them out of it without feeling like I had to just take over entirely. Mm. So that really well done. Other than the the aesthetic reveals and, and you know playing that, it's not doing anything incredibly new, but kind of in keeping with Nintendo's history it's doing it very tight okay and everything is extremely well i keep saying crafted and it's not a pun i'm trying to do it's just (laughs) the word that keeps coming to my head they crafted the craft so craftily yeah exactly i I couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) Uh, what about the gameplay of devil may cry 5 so the gameplay of devil may cry is really the highlight of devil may cry 5 uh i don't think ever anyone comes in for the story uh, so I'm sure some people are like, oh, it's going to happen to Dante and the demons this time. But really, the game is is very, very much gameplay centric, like almost to a fault. So as I had already touched on, you play as three different characters. All three of them have vastly different move sets. Um, Nero, for the most part, plays sort of like a, a simple version of Dante, but he also has different moves. Dante has uh, a shit ton of weapons that that sort of makes him considerably more complicated. So V, V I think, is the most simple because you can almost spam his abilities and get away with it. He has three summons. Um, He he has a bird, which is basically your ranged weapon. Um, He has a a panther, which is dope, which is uh, your (laughs) uh, melee attacker. And then he has like an ultimate which is him summoning uh, this giant, like almost like a golem made of shadows called Nightmare. And you, you sort of use that in a pinch and he just drops down and fucks everything up. Um, so he's he's probably the, the easiest. Um, while I was playing, I probably when I had opportunities to play as him, I chose it just because it made like the <laughs> it made the game simple for like 10 seconds. It was almost like a mental break. So you start off the game as Nero um, and switch between Nero and V for quite a while. And then you play as Dante for almost all of the remainder of the game after that. And Dante primarily, primarily you're playing the game as Dante Dante in at the, the last third of the game, he has many different ranged weapons, many different melee weapons and two different transformations on top of four different uh, stances and that doesn't cover all of the different abilities that are unique to each each weapon and each stance and each transformation. I cannot understand. Jesus. I cannot understate how many fucking moves are in this goddamn game. I thought there were too many on Nero. Nero has <laughs> one weapon and one gun. I, <laughs> I got to fucking Dante. And I, I was I think you're still getting weapons up until like the right before the last mission. And I'm like, no, I don't want any more. <laughs> I don't care how cool it is. My brain is filled up. Would you would you say that, that it's to its detriment? I wouldn't say so because it just gives people more options. Like I j- 
just chose to ignore four of the weapons in the game. I was like, my br I'm not smart enough to do this. There's there's too many moves. I'd have to practice for <laughs> hours to do to do anything with these other weapons. And that's on top of like it taking, you know, three or four missions straight for me to learn how to use the basic sword. And then I'm like, oh, I get his move set now. Now I'm ready to rock and roll. And by that time, I had gotten four more weapons to which I had no choice but to just fucking forsake entirely. I was like, too late now. <laughs> <laughs> I learned one weapon. Good enough. Um, but I, I wouldn't say it's to its detriment entirely. Like I, I, I'm sure people have found wild play styles, like just using, you know, the, the weapons I never even bothered with. Like they look really cool. There's like a, a, a nunchaku that like transforms into a staff if you're in one of the stances. And then you can also like freeze people like it's it's regularly like a, an electric nunchaku and then it becomes like a fire staff and then it becomes like in like ice clubs or something and I, and then i looked at the move set for it and i was like oh, i'm never gonna learn this weapon there's there's 15 more abilities that my brain does not have the space for um but that i to me that sounds overwhelming and like it seems like that it feels like that choice paradox would would drive me insane because like I, I had that same choice paradox in Monster Hunter World. Yeah, where I just felt like I ca I can't even learn all of these weapons to, enough to try them to know if I like them or not. Yeah, yeah, in the same. I was the same way. I I picked a great sword. I tried out two of the fifteen other weapons in Monster Hunter, and I was like, uh, great sword's good enough. <clears throat> but uh, in Devil May Cry, though, yeah, like. I would say as a, a personal result and a probably tinge a little bit in the overall experience. Actually, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that for the overall experience. But I mean, the the gameplay itself, other than just like the endless options, is just like ceaselessly fun when you can nail like combos like and obviously the game's uh, based around like a ranking system. So like when you're in combat, you'll be actively ranked from uh, D to triple S. Um, so you're, you're trying, so basically if you keep just mashing like attack, like the simplest attack, it'll stop going up after a while. Cause it's like, you're not doing anything interesting. So, so you have to also like learn to weave other abilities in seamlessly to like, and also effectively combat like the dozens of different demon types there are. Um, that's also another very good thing that they did was introduce uh, introduced at least one new demon, like almost every mission, if not a new demon, a new boss. Um, so I was like, oh, wow, they're still coming. <laughs> More enemies I need to learn the weaknesses of. But yeah, so like when, once you start to learn like at least one moveset and you can start hitting like S's on with like just a, just a sword and like one gun, then you're like, wow. Like, oh, man, that, that was so cool. I can't believe I chained that together. You also lose lose combo if you get hit. Obviously, I think it goes down like two whole ranks. So if you're S it and get hit, it goes straight down to B and like B's a wow. mediocre grade. And you're like, oh, fuck. And sometimes it's like, so, so you really just need to. You really just need to get in there and, and hold your shit the entire time. Yeah, straight up. Sometimes you'll be in a room with like fucking 10 to 12 demons and they're all attacking you from every angle and this is a room that's like the size of like i i don't know like a, a small bottom floor of like a, a 300 person 
library or something. It's just like, there's, there's shelves and stuff. What do I do about this? Is there a lot of stuff to destroy in the area as you're like fighting through things? Uh, I always like that with game with games like Devil May Cry, where you're just tearing shit up around you. Not really, no. In in that one library scene, I was thinking of it. That's pretty much the only time where there's like truly destructible things all around you. For the most part, there's like a few things, and there's like a few like variables in the world that like change up how combat works in different zones. Um, but no, you usually. Usually when you, you, you're running and then you'll see like a circular room or like an suspiciously thick hallway and you'll be like, I'm about to get zoned out and fight a bunch of demons. And then sure shit, 99% of the time that was the case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like I said, it's it's really satisfying when you quote unquote get good. Um, but I, it, I can see how it'd be just wildly overwhelming for the general, the, the layman gamer. Yeah, so I think that that wraps up all of our base categories. Would you like to conclude with your overall experience in Yoshi's Crafted World? Yoshi's Crafted World is a great game. I can't really think of anything that they could have done to add to it in any way. I think the length was perfect. Okay. You know, it didn't it didn't overstay its welcome. It's extremely well honed. It does everything it sets out to do. It, it is a game without flaw. I know saying a game is flawless implies it's you know saying a game is flawless is like well you know perfect ten out of ten and that's not necessarily what I'm saying. Hmm. I I have nothing that I would say needs to be corrected in it. Yeah, it it sounds like the video game version of a warm hug. And usually when you're getting a yeah. warm embrace, you're not like mm, could have been better. Yeah, exactly. This this game is a warm hug on a cold day, hmm. and it's what more do you need? <laughs> I, I, I dare you to tell me that you need more. Well, nah. nah <laughs> <no>. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll also conclude Devil May Cry. Uh, to, to your point in saying that it was, um, it was, could seem very overwhelming. I will say that my experience with it was that I very much got overwhelmed many times. It took me, it, there being only 20 missions, I probably only did two missions back to back at a time. Early on in the game, you'd switch characters so much that it would be like, oh, fuck, I'm not really ready to take on a different character. I just learned so much on this character. And then when you switch to just Dante for a while, then you're like, oh, fuck, Dante keeps getting more abilities just within himself. Like, it's <laughs> completely different play style. <laughs> so I think the, the most amount of missions I played in one sitting was three back to back. Otherwise, I was only playing like one or two at a time. And then I'd just be like... I need to take a nap now. My brain good and full. But that being said, I had a stupid amount of fun every time I nailed like a good chain or, you know, got really into the combat or, you know, successfully. That's, that part sounds extremely rewarding. Yes. Yes. It's very much uh, y you get what you put into the game. It is is not for the faint of heart. Um it's, it's not as hyper difficult, um, so I think most people could manage getting through it, but they probably wouldn't get, like, S ranks, which is fine. Like, come in and just enjoy how zany the game is. Um, I certainly didn't get S ranks in more than 50% of the, the maps. Game's, game's not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I had a tremendous amount of fun with it as well. So, how do you think you're going to fit Devil May Cry 5 
onto our ever-growing list of games that we've played. Hmm. Looking at it now, I would guarantee it's below Kingdom Hearts 3. I think I can say that definitively, and that's just because, like, Kingdom Hearts 3, for the most part, I I could play... That That game is, like, a warm hug to me. Like, mm-hmm. Especially when you don't have to deal with a lot of the, the stupid narrative bullshit. If you're just, just going and playing that game, uh, it's always a good time. I, I'm struggling between before or after Anthem. Since since I've gone over the game on the podcast, my my uh, view of Anthem has sort of deteriorated. So I'm pro- I'm gonna say I'm putting it at the number two rank below Kingdom Hearts three. Well, you know, that's funny because I was thinking that I was gonna do very similar and slot this slot Yoshi's above Far Cry New Dawn, and then I was gonna kind of ask you where your feelings on Anthem were these days as to where whether or not it should be above or below Anthem. Because <laughs> I, I feel like this was a a tighter, more enjoyable overall experience than Far Cry New Dawn, and I felt like I didn't get called racial and homosexual slurs <laughs> at, at all, so it was definitely above Apex Legends. Right. No one told me I ate diapers as well. So that, that put it at, at least up above into the third slot. <laughs> To answer your question, uh, whereas Yoshi's Crafted World is more of a warm hug, Anthem in its current state is more of a kick in the dick. <laughs> I, w- I would say I have, if, if you continued having a enjoyable time for the entire experience all the way up until you completed that game, it's probably better than Anthem. All right. So that, that would put Yoshi's Crafted World in the number three slot. All right, so we got our, our for this year our top six out of six so far, and uh, yeah, wow, that makes Anthem down in the in the bottom half now, despite winning its uh, original matchup. What a, what an interesting result! Womp 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 indeed. Anthem get get good at <laughs> get good at patches. Bioware. That's all I have to say on the fucking matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, housekeeping. Uh, thank you very much to our producer and editor Danielle Ford. She's been helping us a lot with everything. Um, yeah, she she does a great job. Yeah, we, we we probably have one episode every three years for for her. Oh, I sure as hell wouldn't be deal- editing this. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I, I do not have her patience or dedication. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't have. I'd rather be playing video games. Clearly, that's why me and Andrew are talking about video games. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who's listened so far. We've uh, I've gotten feedback from a handful of people, and it's been it's been good. I've we've tried to implement a lot of what you guys have told us, and we will continue to do so. So please, you know, give us your feedback. Let us know what you want and you think and you hear and just in general, just talk, <laughs> say, say hey. Just let us know how yeah. you do. How you doing? Talk to let us. us let us know lonely. in the comments. How you doing? Yeah, it's it's been raining a lot. I'm so sad. What, do you, what have you been playing, what? listener? Oh. Let, let us know in the comments. That'll be an interesting segment for the future. I think you just made a segment. Nice. Yeah, let us let us know what you've been playing, and um, we might react to it some some kind of way. So, Who knows? Might might judge you. We're pretty judgy. We're from the northeast. Oh, super judgy. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, what else? Oh, t- a little tease. Next week, I'm going to be talking about uh, Crackdown Three. And I. I'm going to be talking about the division two. Awesome. Please look forward to it. Yeah. 
yeah, enjoy the enthusiasm I have now. <laughs> oh God. Um, what else? Like, 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 subscribe, follow. Yep. I'm Arcadia on all of the socials. That's A R K E Y D I A. I'm I'm Solid Talker on all the socials that matter, uh, which I think is, is just Twitter and YouTube, just those two. Um, my live journal was shut down a long time ago, so I can't give that to you. <laughs> hey everyone, have a have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>